can try to go back and, and fix this and do this and put this spin on it and do that. But if you'll just let me, the love of God will draw us to himself. That is the ministry of reconciliation. He wants to restore right relationship between you and him and he and I. He wants a pure, right relationship with us. He wants this with you. With every one of you. And with me. And so when we begin to express ourselves to him. Not hide. Not try to cover up. He, I mean, you can fool me and I can fool you. But we can't fool him. Right? I can hide this shirt from my wife for a long, long time. I'm not fooling God, and I'm not fooling myself either. I know. And so here's what's happening. This is where some of you are this morning. We fall in this trap. If I can just keep it together. And if I can just keep it together. If I can just, you know, it's not as bad. But I still haven't dealt with the issue. And. And it's all good until I'm confronted with the issue, right? Like I said, when she says, oh, that shirt looks so good. My mind just starts getting beat up with every, what I know. And this is what the adversary does. When I don't come to the Lord and say, God, here I am. You know where I made a mess. You know where I made a mistake. You know who I am. I, I may be able to fool anybody and everybody, but you, God, you know. And so I'm not trying to hide anything from you, God. I need you to cover me. I need you to come to where I am in my brokenness, in my failure, in my mistake. I need the love of God to reach to where I am and cover me. Would you cover me? Would you heal the brokenness? Would you restore that which has been lost? Would you come and, and he will do those things. And the adversary, if I don't run to the Lord, the adversary will just keep bombarding my mind because I'll try to be looking like I've got it together. But the moment something's said or done that confronts that burnt spot on my shirt confronts that place in my life that I haven't trusted to the blood of God moment that I that's confronted the adversary begins to say see 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 and guilt and shame and it just piles on my life and that's how he works until you come to the Lord and bring it to him and release it to him and say I can't do it you can. I trust you to reach into my life where I can't fix broken things. I trust you where I've made a mess to somehow in your infinite grace and love and wisdom to reach in and heal and fix and restore. Restore. He is a restorer. It's what he does. Don't believe the lies of the adversary that says God can't fix this. Oh, but he can. If I let him. Now. Just a moment, would you do that right now? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Come on, let him reach to you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you know us, Lord. You understand where we are. You understand our frame. It's you that has framed us. It's you that has made us. In Jesus' name. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, made this statement. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not those that are lost. That which is lost. What was that? That was the relationship. The relationship was lost in the garden. And so he came to seek relationship and to save relationship. That was his purpose. He became the reconciler. He shed his blood to reconcile us to himself. Now, I want to take just a moment here. There are different ones in the room. And the Lord, I said at the outset, I don't understand why I was saying it. but The Lord speaks to us where we are. Right now, sometimes the most difficult that it seems to get back to right relationship with God is when I know he's rescued me and brought me out of my sin, healed me and covered me. And I was walking in relationship with him. And I was so thankful. But then I fell. I fell back into the traps of sin again and I found myself in a place where I said I'll never go back to and yet there I was and then the guilt seems almost double and the shame seems almost double and the adversary doesn't just say not only were you a failure but even after God did a work in your life you failed again and the adversary will just bombard and say there's really no way now it's still a lie from the devil and I feel the Spirit of the Lord here today reaching to some and saying, I would really like to restore a relationship with you. You haven't known me fully the way I'd like you to know me, but I'm waiting with open arms. I would like to restore right relationship with you. You haven't messed up too much. You haven't went too far. You haven't failed too much. You haven't made too much of a mess of it. I would like to restore relationship with you. I find an interesting thing in Scripture. You know, the more we fail, the more pressure comes, if we're not careful, to begin to think about how I can fix it. Anybody ever fall in that trap? How I can fix it? What can I do to make it right? How can I? And so then if we're not careful, we'll fall into some performance I'm guilty of it. I've done it. Some type of self-righteousness if I can earn my way back into relationship with God. We don't earn our way into any relationship with God. What kind of love is that? It says, I'll love you if. He doesn't do that. We don't earn our way back into relationship with God. But then we live this life, if we're not careful, where we're constantly trying to perform for God, to prove he wants to deliver us from that. Now, 
In Scripture, we find an interesting passage. I'm going to give you a condensed version. Solomon built a temple. Remember that? Anybody heard of that? Solomon's temple. It was so famous that they've even made movies about it, not even knowing what. Solomon's temple. It was grand. You read about it in the Chronicles. You read about it in the Scriptures. Man, alive. What a beautiful temple that he created under the inspiration of God. His father David had stored up gold and silver and precious things preparing for the building of the house of the Lord. And Solomon took and built this beautiful temple And man, when he built it, he sacrificed tens of thousands of animals at the dedication of this temple. And he sacrificed, there must have been blood everywhere. He sacrificed all these animals. And the scripture tells us that at the end of the sacrifice, that the glory of the Lord came and filled the tabernacle, filled the temple so much that man could not even enter in. The glory of the Lord was so thick. What was happening? God was revealing His glory. He was wanting to reach to man and keep Jerusalem, the Israelites in relationship with Him. And they had fallen into sin and bondage, but they had come out by the love and the mercy of God. And so Solomon had built this temple for the glory of the Lord to come and dwell among the people. And it did. It manifested itself. But here's what happened. Here's what happened when he built Over time... Israel began to exalt the temple above the God of the temple. Israel began to look at the beautiful edifice and the gold and the silver and the way people would come and just gawk at this amazing temple. And the temple became more precious to Israel than the God of the temple. And they no longer pursued relationship with God. They just decided to go through the motions. They would go to the temple. They would do the things of the temple. They would walk through the rituals and the routines and the traditions of the temple. They would do all But it wasn't satisfying them. It was empty. And so they would live for their own life. They would live to their own end. And some of us have fallen into this trap. They would live for what pleased them, what satisfied them. And they were just content to look at the temple and say, Oh, the building's still there. and Look how beautiful it is. So therefore, God is still with us. Not realizing the glory of the Lord somewhere along the way had departed because they had turned their heart away from God. God was trying to bring them into relationship with Him. But because they'd got their eyes fixed on going to the temple and the temple itself and its beauty, they didn't even recognize the glory of the Lord had departed. And ultimately, God allowed them to be taken captive again. This was a people that God had brought out of bondage. Do you see the types and the shadows here in the Old Testament? The symbolism that's here. The people of God had been in bondage in Egypt. And God brought them out of bondage into the promised land. And then they still, after a while, they got comfortable. And in their comfort, they went back to their own way and walked away from God and the relationship that He had for them. And so God sent judges and brought them back into right relationship again. And they would fall back into their trap of comfort and their will rather than the will of God. And so God would bring kings that would do the will of God. We see Solomon, like I said, this temple. And they see the glory of God. And they commit their life because they see the manifest glory of God. And then again, they get comfortable. And they get more confidence in the edifice than the God that drawing them to Himself. And they find themselves in bondage again. This time it's not bondage to Egypt. This time it's bondage to Babylon. Both Egypt and Babylon are types and shadows of sin. 
Both Egypt and Babylon are types and shadows of the bondage of this world. And Israel, whom God had brought into right relationship, He took them into bondage again to Babylon because they didn't value the relationship. He wants relationship with you and I, but He will not share us with this world. But He makes a way. The love of God didn't discard Israel. What did He do? He made a way for them to come back again. And this is what He does for you and I. I don't care how many times we falter. I feel the love of God today reaching, saying, I want to bring you back. I feel the love of God reaching today, saying, I want to draw you. I don't know if this is for one, for ten, or for all whatever's in this room but I feel the love of God trying to express in every way possible to you I want to bring you back you haven't gone too far your failure's not too great your error isn't something I can't heal and cover your brokenness isn't something I can't cleanse and make whole I want to bring you back in right relationship with me I feel the spirit of God reaching to do so in a life that will yield to him and allow him to do so today This is the desire of God. God in His love and desire. Here's how much He loved Israel. Watch this. He loved Israel so much. He knew that they identified with the temple as the place of His glory. He didn't mind that they identified His glory. It was just that when the temple became greater... Than he did. And so God. Wanting to bring them back. He knew the place in Jerusalem. They were in bondage in Babylon. He knew the place in Jerusalem. That they would look to. Would be the foundation of the temple. Because they identified. That's where the glory of the Lord would come. We knew when we were in right relationship with him. Because his glory would manifest itself. We knew when we were walking according to His Word and His will because His glory would manifest itself. And it would always manifest there at the temple. And so God, watch the love of God. God put it in the heart of a heathen king. Read it in the Scripture. Read it in the book of Ezra. God put it in the heart of Cyrus, a heathen king. He was the king of Persia. He was not the king of Jerusalem or Israel. God took this heathen king Cyrus and put it in the king's heart. I think you should send people back to Jerusalem to start building the temple. What was he doing? He was saying, I'll use whoever I have to. To get my people back in right relationship with me. I love them so much that no matter their failure, no matter their mistakes, I've let them live in bondage for long enough. Some of them have started crying out to me again. And so I'm going to put it in the heart of a heathen king. They can't make it happen, but I can deal with a king that doesn't even know me. I can deal with that king's heart enough that he'll respond to my voice. And a heathen king would send people back and say, it's time to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Read it in the book of Ezra. 
God moved on Cyrus' heart because he loved Israel. And I'm telling somebody today, God would move on a lost soul to reach to you to say, I love you too much to leave you in Egypt. I love you too much to leave you in Babylon. And I would reach to you by someone you don't even know to bring you back into right relationship with me. And so God moved on Cyrus' heart. Cyrus began to get men and we see Ezra speaking the word and we see Zerubbabel and Joshua the, the priest and we see these, we read about it in the book of Ezra or the book of, uh, yeah, Ezra. You can read about it there. You can also read about it in the book of Haggai and you, you read these prophets that work together and, the, and they go back to begin building the temple. What is it? They're still under the law. And so it's this indicator of a building of a place for the restoration of relationship and the restoration of the glory of God coming to the people of God. And so first they lay the foundation. And when the foundation was laid, you can read it in the book of Ezra. I think it's the second chapter, maybe the third. I'm sorry, I don't have it here. You read it there that when the foundation of the temple was laid, now, a lot of Israel is still in bondage. They're not completely out of Babylon yet. But Cyrus has sent this work to be done. And you read in the book of Ezra, when the foundation was laid, the young generation that had never seen the temple before, that hadn't experienced the glory of God before, they'd grown up their whole lives in bondage in Babylon. When they saw the temple, they'd heard the stories. I imagine that when they started going back... Maybe it was their grandfather that had once lived and seen the temple or heard the story had been passed down and he started talking to his grandson and said, I'm telling you, the temple, you should hear the stories about the glory of God that would come there when we were in right relationship with God. It wasn't always like this. We weren't always in bondage here in Babylon. This isn't how the people of God have always been. We've lived in better days. We've lived in the favor of God. We've lived in the blessing of God. We've lived. I hear the Holy Ghost telling somebody, you can live in the favor of God. You can live in the blessing of God. You don't have to be banished to Babylon. God makes a way. And so the Bible says there in Ezra, when the foundation of the temple was laid... That the younger generation, whatever they'd heard and whatever they identified with this foundation, the indicator that there's going to be a temple here, that indicator, there was a cry that went up a shout. It was a shout of joy. But it also says the older generation, those that had seen it before, that had a better recollection than those that had never, it says there was a weeping and a crying that went out from them. And they're weeping and they're crying was so loud and the shout of joy was so loud that Ezra wrote and said you couldn't tell the difference between the weeping and the rejoicing because it all rang out to God. At the recognition, just the foundation indicates there's a possibility that the glory of the Lord can be restored to the house. There's a possibility of being brought back to a place that was promised to me. I'm telling somebody today under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. There is a promise of a restoration. If you yield and respond to the beckoning of the Spirit of God. 
There is a promised restoration. And this shout went out and this cry went out and it filled the heavens. Just at the foundation of the temple. You read the prophet Haggai. Haggai chapter 2. I think verse 6. You can throw that. I see Brother Jerry working back there. Haggai. It's a good thing he's got a computer. It's harder to find in your physical Bible. Might be work for him there. It's right before Zechariah. So right near the end of the Old Testament. Haggai chapter 2. Watch. Now this is that picture I just described to you of the foundation and the shout that went up. And this building of the temple that's starting to take place where they've come out of. This is that time. Okay. Haggai was a prophet during that time along with Ezra. And Haggai said, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once, now notice these words, it is a little while. What does that mean? That tells us that what Haggai was prophesying was not just for that time. It's a little while. Something yet to come. You with me? And who's talking here? The Lord of hosts. And I will, listen what the Lord says. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Verse 7. And I will shake all nations. And I, I read this and I can't help but think about the last year. I can't help but think about the last year. They're in a nation that hasn't been touched this last year by the, this pandemic and what it's done. It's shaken people to their core. Watch. And the desire of all nations. See, this is how we know it was beyond just that physical temple, them coming out of Babylon, because we didn't see the fulfillment of all nations in that temple that they were rebuilding. All nations shall come. And let's watch what the Lord says. And I will fill this house, the one he's talking about. I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 8. The silver's mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. Anybody that remembers something about the glory that filled the tabernacle when Moses built it, you heard those stories. Anybody that remembers the glory filling Solomon's temple, you heard about it, you heard those stories. The Lord said, I'm telling you, the glory of this latter house, this one I prophesied of, it's going to be greater than of the former. And in this place will I give peace saith the Lord of hosts. Now watch. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 10. Hebrews 9 and 10. 
He's talking about the old tabernacle, the old temple. Stood in meats, drinks, divers, washings, carnal ordinances. So he's talking about all the stuff they did in the service in the temple. All right? Watch verse 11. I, must, I think verse 11 is the one I want. Yes. Watch. But who? Christ. But Christ being come an high priest of good. Now, we got to know this about the high priest. The high priest is the one that went once a year into the holiest of holies in the tabernacle. And when he went once a year and did everything in order, that's when the glory of the Lord came. All right. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come. Watch. By a greater and more perfect what? Aha. Christ being a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. The writer of Hebrews was declaring to Israel. That's why it's called the book of Hebrews. He was writing, trying to reach again. The writer of Hebrews was reaching again to the Hebrews. He was reaching again, and he was referencing things that they would know about. They would know about the temple. They always associated the glory of God with the tabernacle, the temple. They always associated. And he was hearkening back to Ezra. He was hearkening back to Haggai and the fact that the glory of the Lord in the latter would be greater than in the former. And he was telling them, hey, Christ is the one. He said that he would fill this house He was the house. That's why he told them before he was crucified, tear this temple down and in three days I'll raise it up again. And they thought he spoke of the physical temple in Jerusalem, but he was speaking of his body. And so we see Christ being a high priest, a greater and more perfect tabernacle where the glory of the Lord would fully dwell. And he wants to bring you and I back in relationship with him. And the Apostle Paul said it this way, When you have been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The Lord, would you stand with me? The Lord wants to restore right relationship. With you and him. He wants to manifest his glory. Through your life. His glory was always manifested. In the tabernacle. In the temple. He wants to manifest his glory. How is it that the former could be greater Or the latter could be greater than the former. I'll tell you how. Because the former was only in one place. But the greater. The greater tabernacle. Christ that dwells in us. We are the body of Christ when we've been filled with his spirit. He's a greater and more perfect tabernacle. The former cannot, or the latter is, I keep getting those backwards. The latter is greater than the former. Greater, 
greater in number, greater in reach, greater in, you with me? It's greater because you and I, when we're filled with His Spirit, we become the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord begins to reveal itself through us when He fills us with His Spirit. And we no longer reflect or show when we die to ourselves. We die to the Adam-like nature. And I no longer live after my human nature. I now live by the Spirit of God that's within me operating through my life. And that becomes the manifestation of the glory of God. You with me? All of this to reconcile us. He wants His glory to shine through you. Romans chapter 8. I get in trouble when I just start pulling verses like this, but I'm so glad we got somebody back there that can scroll through them. I should probably get my Bible to hope I'm close. I know it's Romans 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse number... Let's just start with verse 13. Romans 8 and 13. This is what the Apostle Paul says to the church. If you live after the flesh, what's going to happen? Sounds like what happened to Adam and Eve, right? You live after the flesh, you're going to die. But if you, how? Through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. You can't do that in the natural. I can't cover it up on my own. But through the Spirit, the deeds of my body can be mortified. Yes? That's what the Word says. If you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, what's going to happen? You'll live. But you know from Paul writing in Galatians, it's not me that's living. It's Christ living in me. Okay? You shall live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, you're not going back to Babylon. You're not going back to Egypt. You're not going back to that which held you captive. not going back to bondage. When the Lord does a work in your life, yes, you now belong to Him because He bought you, but it's not bondage, it's liberty belonging to Him. All right? You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now watch, this is where I want to get to, verse 17 and 18, I think. And if children... Then we're heirs. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him. Watch. If we suffer with Him, we may be also glorified together. Verse 18. For I reckon the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared what? with what? glory which shall be revealed. Where's the glory going to be revealed? In the tabernacle. In the temple. The glory is going to be revealed in the temple. He always revealed His glory in the temple. And Paul said, I reckon the sufferings of this present time aren't even worthy to be compared with the glory. Whose glory? God's glory. 
His glory is going to be revealed to the world. It's going to be revealed in us. Remember what Haggai said? The glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. And when I shake the earth, all the nations are going to come. All the nations aren't going to go to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount, when they rebuild the temple. When you, I'm telling you, I want this so desperately. I feel the cry of the world wanting it so desperately. They're hungry and they don't even know what they're searching for. But what they're searching for is a return to a tabernacle where the glory of God reveals itself to a lost and dying world. It says there's got to be more. There's got to be a place of reconciling. I don't even know what's broken, but there's got to be a way. And the world is waiting for this. The glory that's going to be revealed in us. How do I know they're waiting? Because the Bible tells me they are. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature or creation, those that God has created, their earnest expectation, what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Remember where we started? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The world is waiting for the manifestation. The manifestation of what? The manifestation of the glory of God. And when the glory of God is manifested, all the nations will come in. People aren't attracted to you and I. I don't care how wonderful your personality is. And I'm thankful if you got a good personality, man. God will give you one. I don't care how handsome or beautiful you are. I thank God you guys are beautiful people. They're waiting for the manifestation of His glory. And as you and I yield to Him and allow Him to reconcile us to Himself, right? It starts by acknowledging. I'm going to go back right back where we started. It starts by acknowledging when I burnt my shirt, I'm not hiding any longer. I'm coming to you as I am, saying, I need you to restore me and heal me. He will restore. And then he wants to do this. He wants to manifest his glory through your life. And the world's waiting on it. Would you begin to talk to the Lord with me right now? I don't know where you are this morning. I believe we're all in different places. But I feel the Spirit of the Lord reaching today. And so I want to open this altar to you right now. You're saying, man, if I had an opportunity, I would run to Him. If I had an opportunity, I would run to Him. I want these things I hear in the Word. I want the glory of the Lord manifested through my life. Maybe you're somewhere along this journey that we've talked about this morning. And you're needing reconciliation in your life. Maybe you're somewhere along that journey of going, I've got to find a way to be honest before God and allow Him to heal and restore in my life, to allow Him to mend the broken pieces, to allow Him to repair that which I've made a mess of. I'm opening this altar and asking you to find a place of prayer and talk with Him. Find a place of communion with the Lord Jesus Christ that's beckoning you to Himself. 
that's desiring a place of relationship with you. He has purpose. He has a purpose. He has a purpose. He has a purpose. And He's trying to bring each one of us, even, yes, us, the church, to a place where we don't exalt the temple above the God of the temple, to where we get things back in proper order and allow the glory of God to be made manifest through our lives. It can only happen by me and you submitting myself, humbling myself, saying, God, this temple is of your choosing. I pray to be a temple wholly submitted to your will and your purpose. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I believe this room is full of chosen vessels today. Chosen vessels where the Spirit of the Lord would like to dwell. Chosen vessels where the Spirit of the Lord would desire to heal and restore and fill your life so that He can manifest His glory throughout these valleys. It is the desire of God and the souls of men are waiting for the manifestation you and I must come to the place and the posture that humbles myself before Him and says the temple is nothing without the glory of God. It's only your glory that beckons men. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Let the Lord use you this morning. Let the Spirit of the Lord use you this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let the Spirit of the Lord work through your life. Find that soul that's searching, begin to pray right now. Find that heart that is hungry, maybe been separated. Let the Spirit of the Lord minister right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Come on, if you're praying, keep praying. If you're praying, don't stop. But I want hear me. Some of you are here and you're, you're reaching. The Spirit of the Lord is drawing you. You're identifying with that. And you're going, what, what do I do next? I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is here. He will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Lord will baptize you this morning with the gift of the Holy Ghost. As you sip, It starts with repentance. You've got to repent. Some of you have already done that. Some of you still haven't. You need to do that. What is that? That's just simply acknowledging I'll use that example again. It's acknowledging that burn mark in that hole on my shirt. I'm not trying to hide it anymore, Lord. I'm bringing my sin to you. You know where I've lived or I'm living that I shouldn't be living. You know how I'm acting or things I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. I'm bringing that to you, God. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Come on, talk to Him. Talk to Him about those things. God, forgive me. Any area of my life where I've held on to sin or my will, I ask You to forgive me. I release it to You, Lord. I receive the forgiveness that You purchased and offered to me at Calvary. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So it's repentance. It's simple repentance. And then once you've repented, you can begin to praise Him and thank Him for the promise of His great gift. It is the gift of His Spirit dwelling within us. And as we begin to praise Him and worship Him, you have to open your mouth. It won't happen if you don't open your mouth. There's got to be an opening of my mouth and a speaking out in praise and adoration and thanksgiving. And what will happen, the Bible says it's like a well springing up into everlasting life. One passage he said, it's rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost. And so when you begin to praise him after you've truly repented before God, you begin to praise and worship him. And we praise and worship. What happens is your praise and worship turns into words you did not learn. It turns into a language you didn't learn. What is that? That's the utterance of the Spirit of God. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not some strange thing. We read about it in the Word of God. And so as you begin to praise and worship, there comes an utterance of His Spirit. Not a learned language. His Spirit gives you the words. And so you just begin to worship and praise. And as the words change, human nature will try to shut it down because you don't understand what's trying to come out of your mouth. But as you yield and worship and just let it flow, there will be spiritual utterance. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would you reach right now? If you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you've repented of your sins and you would like to receive the Holy Ghost, or if you receive the Holy Ghost, but it's been a long time and you'd like the Lord to refill you afresh today, would you stand with me and reach to Him right now and begin to speak to Him? you prayed the prayer of repentance. We're going to do that together. All across this room, we're going to pray a prayer of repentance right now. God, search our hearts. We repent of every sin of commission, every sin of omission, Lord. Any action I've taken that I shouldn't have. God, where I've harbored any unforgiveness today, I forgive those that have hurt me. I forgive those that I'm holding on to unforgiveness towards. I forgive that daughter that I've held on to unforgiveness towards. I forgive the spouse that maybe hurt me. I forgive a situation from my past where I haven't yet, Lord. I forgive and I repent today. I repent of my sin. I repent of the things I've done or have, that have violated your word. I repent in honesty and integrity before you this morning, Lord. I repent wholly to you, God. Not to a man, but to you, God. Against you and you only have I sinned. 
So I repent in humility today. I repent in brokenness today. I repent, Lord, in need of you. And now, God, I receive your forgiveness. Come on, I want you to express that to him. God, I receive your forgiveness. You died for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. You got to be willing to receive the gift of his forgiveness. God, I receive your forgiveness today. Not because I deserve it, but because you gave it freely. I receive your forgiveness. Hallelujah. 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 And now would you lift your hands and your voice and you begin to praise him. Come on, begin to magnify him. Begin to exalt him. Words coming out of your mouth. We can't teach you to do this. This is a work of his spirit. Words coming out of your mouth to him in praise and adoration. Come on, it'll be a well springing up in you. It'll be a well springing up in you, words you haven't learned. The utterance of the Spirit of God as you yield to him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We'll talk with him. Worship.
touched on this briefly in the first service. The scripture says in Galatians that faith works in love. Okay? And so, one of the most difficult places for faith to operate is if the adversary can get me to believe that the Lord doesn't love me. You with me? And so the adversary, one of the chief ways that he does that, is says, because of your past, because of your failures and your mistakes, yeah, the Lord loves you, but not as much as he loved you before. If he can't get you to believe that God doesn't love you, then he'll try to get you to believe that God loves you less. Because the adversary knows faith operates through love. Faith works through love. And so, don't believe that lie. Be willing to acknowledge and accept God loves me. And so sometimes, you know what, I've had to pray, Lord, I'll accept and receive your love for me. Because there's something in our nature that if I feel like someone doesn't love me, what I do is I put up these guards to keep them at a distance, right? I'm, I'm protecting myself. I only let them go so close because I'm not really sure they love me. And we bring that into our relationship with God. He's trying to express and manifest his love to us. We go, oh, I don't know that I deserve it. I'm not worthy. I'm not, right? These are lies of the adversary. And so that lie about the love of God causes me to struggle to have faith. Why would God do this for me if he doesn't love me? You see how the adversary twists things? We must know and understand God loves us unconditionally. While we were yet sinners, he died for us to prove his love. Not once we got it together. And so he comes and manifests his love. So we operate in faith. So if I'm questioning whether he loves me, it can be a barrier to receiving the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? Connecting those dots? It can be a barrier to receiving the Holy Ghost. When I go, he loves me, he wants, right? When I know somebody loves me, I know they want to give me good gifts. I'm not questioning that God would want to give me a good gift because he loves me. Right? He loves me. He wants to give me good gifts. The Father desires to give good gifts. So I know he loves me. So faith operates there. I pray the love of God minister to your life. And where the adversary would try to deceive and cause you to think that you're unlovable, that you've made too many mistakes for God to love you, that you would know that that's a lie, that the love of God would minister to your heart today and your life today, and that you could have faith that works in love what the Lord does is he comes and he sheds his love abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart and mind by the Holy Ghost. So how beautiful is that? He loves you so much, he gives you a gift. And the gift he gives you causes his love to be shed. That's why when people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they just love everybody. That's the first response. You guys see Destiny? She had to go before she left. She came all the way around here and wanted to.
to hug Sister Priscilla. I love everybody. What is it? That's the outflow of the Holy Ghost. Love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't believe the lie. The Lord loves you completely. Completely. He loves you completely. He's going to restore and reconcile, and He wants to put His Spirit in you and cause His glory to shine through you. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's thank Him together before we go today. In Jesus' name. God, we love you. We exalt you. We thank you for your great grace and abundant mercy, for your love wherewith you have loved us. You have made us accepted in the Beloved. You have made us accepted in the Beloved. We may have faced rejection in many ways, but you, God, have not rejected us. You've drawn us to yourself and made us accepted in the Beloved. We worship you. We thank you today. Thank you for the ministry and the operation of your spirit. Thank you for the outpouring of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the ministry of miracles and healing here today. Thank you for restoration, Father. We praise and magnify you. Thank you for forgiving sin here this morning. Thank you for your blood that makes it all possible. Thank you for the work of Calvary, Jesus. We worship you. We give you glory and honor and praise. In the mighty, precious, powerful, beautiful name, Jesus. 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 God bless you. God go with you. You go with God. And we'll see you here Thursday if we don't see you before. Mark your calendar before I forget. Mark your calendar. May the 7th. It's a Friday night, 6 p.m. For those that would like to, we are going to be joining together with some other children of the Lord in Prosser in the park. This will not be a time of socializing. There may be some spiritual fellowship, but this will be a time where we will be going to give ourselves to apostolic ministry. I want to make that clear. Okay? We'll be going to wait on the Lord, joining with others, praying there, seeing what the Lord would do and reaching to those that God would bring to the park that day. Okay? So if you're coming, and everyone's invited, I'll get you more details, but if you're coming, you understand. I'm not coming to observe. I'm not coming to hang out because it seemed like that's what somebody else was doing. I'm going to be prayerful. I'm going to be waiting on the Lord, and I am going to be available to God in ministry. You with me? somebody going oh that's not what I thought it was I'm telling you right now this is what it is alright we're going to go be the church amen so May the 7th 6pm I know that's a Friday night I'm telling you now so if you you know with work and stuff it's going to be down in Prosser so I know that's about a 30 minute drive somewhere give or take 10 or 15 minutes depending on whether you obey the limit or not I'm not pointing fingers don't get me wrong amen God bless you go be the church in Jesus name